On this week's episode of Life and Lessons, I talk about scrapping the electric car, avoiding the news, and how I might be allergic to mustard. Hey, what is going on? Welcome to this episode number 107 of Life and Lessons. I'm Sean Spooner, and if you're new here, here's what you need to know. This podcast is a place where I tell the story of growing a business, of growing as a person, and of taking on some fairly unusual challenges, sometimes on my own, sometimes joined by the most interesting people I know. The only thing that's guaranteed with this podcast is that every time you press play, you're going to learn something new. Now, before we get started, forgive me if I sound tired, forgive me if this feels a little bit rushed or a little bit underwhelming today. The time is three minutes to nine in the evening, it's Thursday night, and my plan, if you listened a few weeks ago, you may know this, was to record this episode from Corby. I was going to be in Corby, I was going to record this, uh, do whatever I was going to do tonight, sleep, and then drive back to Wales tomorrow, Friday. So today, if you're listening to this on Friday, just to confuse things. But that didn't happen because I'm sure you've seen this enormous storm that is coming in on Friday. Seems to be focused to the red alert area from the Met Office is basically the whole of South Wales. And I just didn't fancy driving in fairly extreme weather. My drive back to Corby last week in that rain was bad enough. Um, and then today, you know, they, uh, all of the gantries over the motorway had this, this warning message on them saying extreme wind expected or forecast tomorrow. Whilst I'm driving down the A14 and the M6 getting absolutely blown to bits, like blown to left, right, darting past lorries in the hope they don't fucking fall on me. Like today's weather felt extreme. And so if this was the warm up to what tomorrow's wind is going to be like, what tomorrow's weather is going to be like. I'm glad that I travelled today, but travelling today has scuppered my entire schedule. So, woke up this morning, charged, went for breakfast with my mum, did a call with a client in the Netherlands, and then immediately after that, left And of course, because of the electric car and having to charge again halfway here, it has taken forever. And also, I'll be honest, I've been driving a little bit more cautiously in this wind just because I'm not about that life of (laughs) darting past cars. And yeah, I don't know. It just felt unsafe compared to the normal drive. So finally got here. But having to record this tonight, of course, to get it out in time for tomorrow. Um, And so there we go. Speaking of cars, by the way, another say interesting update interesting might be a strong word but another life update nonetheless i'm getting rid of the electric car so if you've been listening for a while you'll know that i have currently the volkswagen id3 and it's nice it's new it's shiny it's full of technology and it's really easy to drive things like adaptive cruise control have made me probably quite a lazy driver but somebody who enjoys driving far more because it's just easy. But, and there's a big button, it's the button that I've spoken about almost every time I sit in front of this microphone. For me, having to travel between Corby and Wales, especially in the colder months, like the ones we're in right now, 
the range just isn't there. Now, bear in mind, this is one of the highest range, highest mileage electric vehicles on the market today. It has the exact same uh, range as the Tesla Model 3. So it's up there, right? But it just doesn't work. Having to, this morning, charge to 100% in Corby, and then a third of the way into my journey at the next available charge point on the way to Wales in Coventry, have to stop and charge back to 100% just so that I can then do the distance between Coventry and Wales where there are no network chargers to then get to Wales, as I did a minute ago, park outside and know that tomorrow at some point or this weekend, I'm going to need to charge the car again because it's on like 40 miles now before I take it anywhere else. All of that, plus the, I'd say the relatively bad value for money, dare I say, when it comes to electric cars, they're just frankly overpriced relative to their petrol and diesel counterparts. Um, Kind of all came to a head in the last few weeks as I've been going back and forth with Corby and struggling to actually get there with any charge left and going to charges which don't work and getting down to the last few miles before eventually finding a charger and all of this. I just thought, you know what? I love the electric car. It's a lot of fun to drive. It's really convenient in some ways. But I just personally, having experienced it, I don't think the the charging infrastructure is there to support electric cars in their current form, unless you can charge at your home overnight. That might be a different story. And on the flip side, because of the lack of charging infrastructure, electric cars currently don't yet have the battery technology to allow for cross-country travel. And so I've got another Ford Focus, shock, third Ford Focus in like 18 months. Um, It's a little bit nicer than the other ones, a little bit more um, grown up as a model, although it's bright orange, so I'm not sure it is that grown up. But nonetheless, um, it's got a lot more of the, I guess, comfort features that I have become accustomed to with the ID free and, you know, things like cruise control, automatic rather than manual, all that stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I picked it up the other day. There was something wrong with it. So I sent it back. I'm now back in Wales. So I'm probably going to pick it up this weekend again and hopefully actually start to drive it. And yeah, that is the car update. Also from a few months of driving an electric car and doing nothing but being slightly smug every time I drove past a petrol station, saw the price of petrol and diesel, those numbers never really sank in. And then I was doing the maths on this new car and the current price of petrol and the fact that this is a petrol engine rather than diesel so the um, fuel consumption isn't great and then the fact that it's an automatic gearbox so the fuel consumption is even worse I'm going to be spending a lot of money on petrol and so that's probably the only negative but even then all in it's probably still around the same price as the ID3 so there we go getting another 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 new car but hopefully we'll keep this one for a few years and stop changing cars every four months maybe hopefully who knows um something else interesting which i have been trying as of this week but it's something that i'll hopefully stick at for quite a while to come is having listened to a couple of podcasts and having listened to some of near work about distraction and the news and then also just this this feeling of I think Adam Curtis calls it oh dearism 
the idea that we watch the news every day and we see these hour by hour accounts of what's happening around the world whether it is a death count or a war unfolding or a protest or a i don't know a political event that doesn't make us feel that secure or stable or confident in the future whatever it might be and we're left to a point adam curtis says in a short film that i watched of his years ago we're left in a place where all we can say is oh dear right you watch the news and you realize that there are these dreadful things happening on the tv all around the world and there are these really concerning things that come up in your twitter feed and there are these kind of all-consuming minute-by-minute accounts that go down on news websites and you can consume it forever right 24-hour breaking news, rolling news coverage is by definition endless, right? 24-hour news channels will broadcast for 24 hours a day. And so the teams of journalists who work on those channels have to, by definition, find news to fill the hours. Similarly with uh, news websites, right? Particularly after the traffic spikes that news websites had during COVID when they Uh, would publish things like daily death tolls or daily vaccinations, right? And there was always a reason to go back to a news website, always a reason, always a reason. They now have to replace all those page views and retain all that ad revenue by finding news stories, right? So there's what I'm trying to get at is there is always this kind of continuous cycle of news. And recently I've been toying with ways to kind of break away from it. Um... I tried an app called Curio, which is really good, but it just didn't work for me. So the idea of Curio is it is um, high quality journalism, which is then rated by a professional voiceover artist or the author of the piece themselves. And then it's put into an app, which is like, I don't know, five pounds a month, which then um, I would listen to Curio stories on the way back from the gym every morning. Um, to the point where, you know, I believe in that product so much that I did an hour-long uh, feedback call with the product team from Curio and I literally laid my cards on the table and I said, the reason I'm spending an hour doing this on the back of their cold email is because I want that product to win. But I wanted it to win in the paradigm of it taking me away from checking the news so often and frankly it didn't because I don't think it's built for that. And so I went back to an idea that Nereo speaks about. I think he does it once a day. He doesn't check any news websites or anything digital when it comes to the news, nor does he watch it on TV or radio. But I think maybe once a day he buys a newspaper. Now, frankly, I don't care about the news enough to buy a newspaper every day. But as of Sunday, gone, obviously, I haven't checked the news once. Not on TV, not on LBC, um not the BBC News website, Sky News website, Wales Online here in Wales, the Northamptonshire Telegraph in Northamptonshire. I have unfollowed basically every journalist that I followed on Twitter. Um, I have unfollowed any news organisation or aggregator account on Twitter. And I've tried to, as much as possible, design an environment where I don't come into contact with the news accidentally through apps like Twitter because that is the pinnacle of distraction right we know about things like flow state and the easiest way to fall out of a flow state 
is by feeling any emotion. And so when you see this dreadful story about something going on in the world, you fall out of your level of focus and it takes, you know, research says, I think it's 23 minutes to get back into that form of focus. But also then add to that the fact that what we just spoke about, once you've felt all those emotions about that new story, the only thing you can say is, oh dear, because you can't control what's happening on the other side of the world. And so all of these things kind of compounded to the point where I thought, you know what, digitally, I am going to try for a few weeks at least and consume no news whatsoever. But then what I am going to do and what I did on Sunday is I'm going to buy one newspaper a week. I've chosen the weekend edition of I because frankly it, it seems fairly balanced and not that crackpot compared to most newspapers out there. Um, and the idea is I read it, you know, there is a beginning and an end to a newspaper. The quality of journalism is by definition higher because it costs a lot more to edit put into a layout print distribute and sell a newspaper the pages in a newspaper are finite and therefore somebody has done lots of that editing on your behalf already but also it's close-ended right once I closed that newspaper on Sunday and it was actually quite um quite significant on Sunday because I realized that when I closed that last page, when I decided to stop reading that particular newspaper, I wasn't going to hear the news, period, for a week. Um, That's my summary, right? That's my update. And so, read the newspaper on Sunday, had a fairly good idea of what was going on in the world. Now, I haven't checked the news since then. And then this weekend, I'll buy a newspaper, I'll do the same. And I'm just going to try and do that for as long as possible, because think about it, right? Breaking news is really quite addictive. And I've spoken about this before on here, maybe like a year and a half ago during COVID. It's really addictive to check the news constantly and to feel as if you know what's going on. But not only can you not do anything about that information, but the information, the quality of information in real time is actually really low, right? I think during... I forget what terrorist attack it was, but years ago I saw a journalist tweet the idea that you can learn more about a significant event like a terrorist attack, for example, in a two-minute summary the next day than you can by sitting on Twitter for the 10 hours after it happens and reading the minute-by-minute accounts and the unconfirmed reports and the quotes from the scene and all this stuff, right? And I don't know whether it stems from like the Corey magazine or the Magnate days, but I can really fall into those rabbit holes with the news. I can really lean into reading far too much about something and it takes time and it takes attention and it takes energy. And I guess just on reflection, I think that it is a trade not worth making. And so I'll be honest, as I sit here right now, Thursday night, do I know what's going on in Ukraine on the border with Russia? Not a clue. Do I know what the latest is with Partygate? Not a clue. Do I know the latest football news? Not a clue. Do I know what's going on with the wholesale price of energy and inflation and all those things that I would read about every day? Not a clue. But crucially, has it changed anything at all in my life negatively that I don't know this real-time information? No. Has avoiding that information for a week given me more time and attention? And it clarity of mind I guess yes absolutely and will I be able to read the important details 
the finite summary, the close-ended version of all of that news at some point this weekend, when I choose to, undistracted for a few minutes. Yes, I will. And so all of those things together, this is all to say that trying to avoid the news for a while. And yeah, I think it's just going to be interesting. It's a little experiment of mine. It's not, it's not that deep. If that makes sense, like it's, yeah, if, if, I, if I go back to checking news websites, so be it. But I think that it's worth spending at least a month just seeing what happens with this. There's also a new app I discovered called Inkle, I think it's called, I-N-K-L, which seems to curate good journalism in a fairly close-ended way. Um, so I might subscribe to that and see what that's like. Uh, but yeah, for now, no news. Um, something else, very unrelated, kind of unrelated kind of related to finding ways to get better clarity of mind is I've finally taken Ollie Horton's advice and Ollie if you're listening um, I've done more steps for once this week so I have a life hacking tra- life tracking spreadsheet as you know and one of the stats I measure in there and I think I spoke about this the other week is steps right I record how many steps I do on average per day across the span of a week and then that goes in there because I think it's interesting to compare say your average weekly sleep with your average daily steps with your average hours worked per day right because in theory and actually this plays out in the data I have so far the better rested you are the more willpower you have the more willpower you have the uh, the more work you're likely to get done. The more work you get done, the sooner you kind of finish and have an end to the day, which means you have more time to do things like go for a walk. And so it all kind of connects together. But something that has consistently this year been really, really bad so far is the amount of steps I do per day. I don't know the exact number, but averaged out over a week for the last six or so weeks, I've probably done no more than two and a half thousand steps per day. And I had this conversation briefly with Ollie a few weeks ago where he was reminding me as I got back into going to the gym, as I started to concentrate more on the foods I was eating and all of this stuff. He said, cool, that's all great. But remember that the the lowest hanging fruit and one of the most impactful ways to do body recomposition and get healthier and all this stuff is to just get out and walk. And of course, I fell into this excuse. I'm like, yeah, cool but it's cold outside and like, I don't want to, and he's like, just buy a coat and go outside. Like, don't overcomplicate it. And for weeks I didn't just because I couldn't be bothered, frankly. But this week, not least because things are busier and I know myself well enough to know that there are certain things which allow me to focus more and feel better and have more clarity and all this stuff. And one of them, probably the biggest one is going for a walk. Particularly, actually, although I don't do this one as often when I go for a walk, going for a walk without earphones, without music, and just thinking for an hour as you walk. I find that so useful. And when we had the office in Cardiff, for example, when I used to do like 10 or 11,000 steps a day on average, because I'd just walk around the city centre for an hour at lunch, like I would do that all the time. And the amount of like, issues and problems I would process in my mind and the amount of ideas I'd have and all this stuff it was massively beneficial but then it just kind of slipped away and like I said a minute ago as this year now gets busier as new projects begin as um, things just get more intense as they will continue to do for the remainder of this year because 
this year isn't slowing down, I could slowly see myself falling off the horse in certain areas, right? I spoke about that definitely a few weeks ago, where I said that, you know, two weeks ago when I recorded the last episode like this, I said that it was the worst week that I had had in the habit formation curve so far this year. And I think some of that, like I spoke about at the time, was just because like January was over and all this stuff. But I do think that some of it was because I wasn't following some of the basic things that I know help. And like I say, the singular thing that helps the most with all of that stuff I just spoke about is going for walks. And so I did what Ollie said. I put on a coat and I just walked in the rain for an hour. Did it Monday, did it Tuesday, did it Wednesday. Probably averaged about 9,000 steps a day. So still not the 10,000, but we'll get there eventually. Today, fewer steps, admittedly, because lots of travel and unexpected goings on. But yeah, it's just a a really low-hanging fruit, one that costs nothing, one that doesn't take away any time, because frankly, if I wasn't going for a walk, I would be like sat on my bed or something. So I started doing it, and I'm going to clip this little bit and send it to Ollie just in case he's not listening because I took his advice and it works. Speaking of things that work, a new habit of mine that I've added into that ever so exciting life tracking spreadsheet is not taking my phone into bed with me, period, right? So I find that before I go to bed of a nighttime, I could have the best kind of evening routine you can imagine right you can control the light to remove some sources of blue light you can take certain vitamins that encourage sleep you can have like a cbd gummy you can do all this stuff and it's all well and good but i would still then just sit in bed on my phone for an hour and like scroll social media or watch youtube or whatever and the same was true in the mornings right there will be some mornings this year when i've been waking up early where i will jump out of bed weigh myself, put my clothes on, go to the gym, perfect. But there were other mornings, particularly when I was a little bit tired, where I would get out of bed, walk across to the other side of the room where my phone is as far away from me as it can be as I sleep by design, so I have to get up and go and get it. But then I'd walk back to bed and I'd sit under my covers, like warming up for an hour on my phone. And I don't know about you, but when you're sat down, or when I'm sat down, I use my phone more than when I've stood up. And when I'm lying down in bed, I use my phone even more than when I've sat down. And I don't know if there's any signs there, but I basically realized that by removing those two big blocks of phone usage, right? Last thing at night, first thing in the morning, not only could I stick more to the things that I actually want to be doing in the moment, like getting up and going to the gym or the office and like getting ready for an actual good night of sleep, because none of us actually want to sit on our phone and be distracted right i've been reading um stolen focus by johan hari who's coming on here in a few weeks time and i don't even think there's an argument here i think it is absolute fact to say that we as humans with our evolved brains are entirely unequipped to win over these dopamine releasing highly engineered billion pound apps right so nobody actually wants to sit for an hour and scroll social media aimlessly and waste that time we get nothing from it we don't want to do it i don't want to do it and so i decided 
in this kind of binary yes or no habit tracking that I do where I try and get way more yeses than noes. So the easiest way to kind of leapfrog over that issue is just to say, well, my phone doesn't come into bed anymore. Like it just doesn't. Like in the mornings, I don't get back into bed with it because that would be a no in the spreadsheet. That'd be a failure. And similarly, when I'm getting ready for bed at night, I put my phone on charge over there on the other side of the room before I even get into bed and it just doesn't come into bed. And it's only a few days in. So it's too early to say if it is making a meaningful difference, but I believe it will. I still have my iPad, so I watch TV on that. Um, or like plan the day or fill in the spreadsheet on the iPad before I sleep, whatever it might be. But yeah, the the, the phone doesn't come into bed and I think that that will reduce my screen time quite a lot and also just improve sleep, right? What is the point of controlling the lighting of a room like I do before sleep? If I then sit on a high definition, really bright blue light emitting screen for an hour, like it's just stupid. It makes no sense. So there we go. That's something else I'm doing. Um, here's one that's entirely unrelated in this absolute mishmash of an episode. I think I might be allergic to mustard. <laughs> I'm sure you weren't expecting me to say that as the next item. Um, so it's a little bit of a story time, this one. I'll try and keep it quick. I have for a few years now, after eating certain foods, mainly unhealthy foods, mainly fast foods, I have like a cough for about 20 minutes or half an hour. And it feels like my throat kind of closes up slightly and feels a little bit like, I don't even know the word, almost like raw, like when you've had a cough for ages, it's that kind of cough, right? And truthfully, I assumed that that's just what happens when you eat fast food. I just thought that was a natural reaction to some of the like additives or whatever that are in this food and it happens to everyone. That was genuinely for years my assumption because I remember having that conversation back in like 2017 when I was in a McDonald's drive through near the office in Cardiff. Like that's how long this has been going on for and that's how long I haven't questioned it. But recently it's got worse and I have been looking through the ingredients lists and allergens of different foods that I realize cause it. And for the longest time, I'm like, well, it can't be wheat because I can eat other wheat products and it doesn't cause it. It can't be soy for the same reason. It can't be dairy for the same reason, but I can't work out what else is in any of this stuff. But there's actually an ingredient, which is an allergen that I've been completely overlooking that's in most McDonald's and most KFC and the German doner kebab that I had the other day and the meal deal spicy chicken pasta from Asda, no, sorry, Morrison's, which I love and unfortunately probably won't eat anymore. Um, and that ingredient is mustard, like different forms of mustard. And I read online and the symptoms match up fairly precisely. And so yeah, it's just a curveball, to be honest, because mustard is in absolutely everything. Like, you wouldn't believe the amount of sauces and spices and flavorings and products that you buy in places like McDonald's or KFC or whatever that contain mustard. And so, for example, today, on the way to Wales, I stopped in the M6 services and had a Burger King, because why not? And there wasn't much else around. Um, and there was the cough. And so 
I'm going to double check. I haven't actually checked, but I imagine there was mustard in that product. And so, yeah, weird one, curveball, <laughs> just to, to keep you up to date with my random minor health issues, which I always seem to do on this podcast. Um, I'm going to get that looked at. I'm going to see if there's some sort of um, like test that I can get done through the health insurance that we have so that I don't need to pay for it to then either confirm or disprove my theory that it is mustard. And then if it is mustard, because of all of the things that um, allergic reactions cause, as well as the cough, like inflammation and all this other stuff, I'll probably just try and cut it out, which might, as a byproduct, make my diet a lot healthier and a lot less processed. I don't know. But yeah, that is the the open feedback loop that I'm sure I'll tell you more about soon. I might be allergic to mustard. Didn't see that one coming. Um, and then I think the only other thing to say is that I recorded a really great conversation a few days ago with the authors of a book called The Performance Curve. Really, really interesting conversation. Um, we go deep into some really important and some really tangibly value topics about how you can find your passion, lean into it, and actually get more done in life whilst taking care of yourself at the same time. Really important topic. That will be out next Friday. Um, because of the three of us on the call rather than two and the free audio tracks and the free video tracks and the countless technical issues that we ran into during that recording, it is proving an absolute nightmare to edit just because there are so many files. Um, so truthfully, it isn't even edited yet. It normally would be by this point, but I'm sure it'll be ready for Friday. Um, and then who's next? I think Rory Sutherland will be the next episode after that in a few weeks time then professor adam hart and then um johan hari has had to move things back um for some personal reasons so we're going to be recording in mid march now so you'll probably hear that conversation towards the end of march beginning of april that kind of time um and yeah i think that's it i am off to see Dave on Saturday. Chloe's coming to Cardiff. I'm going to go and see Dave. That'll be fun so long as it still goes ahead because she's just texting now actually saying that the band who are playing the Motor Point Arena tomorrow, so the day before Dave, have just cancelled because of the weather and wind and whatever. Um, but yeah, that'll be a fun little weekend. Chloe in Cardiff and then off to London the week after that for a few meetings and an event. And then back to Corby and then back in Cardiff to see Stormzy. I bought a ticket to see Stormzy on my own on the first date of his 2020 tour in the UK, which was delayed by two years. So I'm literally just going to go early, stand at the front, have a great time on my own. It's one of my favorite hobbies, going to gigs on my own. So there we go. Um, and yeah, I think that's it very very random episode an episode that i did not expect to be recording here in wales but the weather had other ideas um thank you as always for listening and i'll see you back here this time next week for episode number 108 of life and lessons see you then
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.